0: Hit demolished Wofford to start the season one and zero. Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of Football Unscripted here on the Pit Talk Network. I'm your host Corey Cohen, and I am thrilled to have my guest for today, Mr. Corey Colton. You better know him as the Willard Years on Twitter or X or whatever it's called or Blue Sky. Whatever social media, The Willard Years, you know him. He's got thousands of followers. He is the mayor of Pitt Twitter, and he is joining me today. Thank you so much, Corey, for being here.
1: Corey, it is great to be here with you.
0: So so excited to talk about Pitt versus Wofford. Uh, we'll, We'll start things off by just saying mission accomplished. This is not always guaranteed. It's certainly not always been guaranteed with Pitt that when they play a weak team, that they're going to get a victory and that it's going to be comfortable. That's what happened. At the end of the day, we're going to be talking about different players that we saw, what we think of them. And we'll get into all that. But at the end of the day, Pitt won. They won comfortably. And you can't ask for too much more than that when you're playing a team like Wofford.
1: No, mission accomplished. Yep. Get the
0: banner mission up there. Yeah, We're get, good. We're get fine. Get new, new ACC uh, uh Member, I guess George W. Bush to fly the mission accomplished
1: flag yeah. behind. Call it a day. Nice pickup on that one. Yeah, <laughs> it's a, I mean, it's a new world. they did what they were supposed to do. They everything was fine. It, it, you weren't going to learn anything this week, unless something was terrible. And nothing was terrible, so we didn't learn anything this week, which is exactly what you want.
0: Absolutely, you don't want to learn much of anything and uh and nothing bad happened. That's again, no one looked awful, no one got injured. That's what you would want to come away with it. Nope. All that said, let's uh let's look into it. Let, talk let's talk about it to, anyway. Yeah, let's talk about it anyway. Let's try to like piece through the the bits and see what we can take away from this game even if the game might have not had many or any takeaways. Uh for much of this game Pitt had more points than Wofford had yards. I mean, th- this was not remotely close. This wasn't just Comfortable. This was a beatdown. In fact, it really should have been a shutout for the defense, which we'll talk about because the one touchdown the Wofford had should have been a pass interference on the wide receiver Tyler Parker. I, to me, it seemed pretty obvious watching on TV. I don't know about you being there.
1: It was a little tougher to see live. I mean, at that point, I'm not going to be going to be honest, really wasn't paying that close attention to the <laughs> game. um But yeah, so I put up a poll pretty close after kickoff what number is greater the number of lantern flies I'm going to kill inside the stadium or (laughs) Wofford's total yards. And I was up into the second quarter. That's that says a lot. I I ended up with five lantern (laughs) fly kills. And it took Wofford a significant chunk of time to get to five positive total yards. So I don't know if that
0: says more about the problem with lantern flies or, and by the way, congratulations, your ability to kill them. Or if it says more about Wofford, but either way, the fact that that was close for that long, I think it says a lot.
1: Yeah, oh, that means the defense just dominated. And there were a lot of there were are and will continue to be some questions on the defense, but to come out and do that and hold them down for that long, even that you know, even that level of an opponent shows that this this defense is reloading seriously quick. Um, not. Not one unit looked worse than another. There was no unit where like, oh, man, still worried about the safeties. Oh, still worried about the O-line. Oh, still worried about the linebackers. No, everybody was solid. Very solid. Absolutely, and I
0: think that that's something that going into this, I think a lot of people were confident that the defense would be able to reload, retool with the guys that they lost, but there, you still don't know until you see it. You still can't accept it until you see it, and – I guess that's still true because they haven't played Cincinnati. They haven't played West Virginia. We still need to see it, but a lot of these guys took a big step up and they looked phenomenal. They looked yeah. like there's not going to be any difference between last year's defense and this year's defense. I mean, you talk about some of the guys that stepped up Deon Hayes had some big plays. Uh Bam Brima. Uh, he had that, the big forced fumble. He had three tackles. Bengali Kamara had a sack. He was all over the place. Solomon DeShields played well. I mean, there were just no issues with that defense. Again, if not for a borderline offensive pass interference that wasn't called, this would be a complete shutout for most of the game. And that was also, I think, about half of the yards that Wofford had yep. was on that one play. I mean, yeah. they were dominant. And it was, I was saying on the podcast last week with with Jim, Jim Hammett that, yeah, you expect, and I it's kind of it was kind of weird to hear Pitt fans and people that follow Pitt talk about the defense and be so confident, right? Pit fans aren't confident. They're always looking. Never about
1: anything. And never. Not anything never at about anything
0: at all. And yet people were looking at the defense, talking about the defense and saying, you know what? I don't think the turnover is going to be a huge problem. I think people are going to step up. And in one game so far, it seemed like they're on the
1: money. Well, they've earned it. It's a track record. It's now what? Two, three years of solid top ACC level defense and the recruiting has been good enough that they're replacing guys with better guys. So they've earned that. It's it's 3 years ago you would have never said that. But yeah. now, 3 year 3 4, you know, whatever you want to call it, we've seen it enough that now this is the you know, to bring in Mike Tomlin, this is the standard. This is now the standard pit defense. Anything else is unacceptable right now.
0: It's pretty amazing when you think about the level of consistency i think that plays a factor in that because for so long and for a lot of programs part of the reason why you can't count on a, a unit you can't trust them is because there's turnover but in this case Narduzzi has been at pit for years Randy Bates has been at pit for years Charlie Partridge has been at pit for years these guys have been around and because of that there's that level of stability that recruits are coming. They feel comfortable. They see the players that they like. The coaches are there for all four years of a player's career. They help them develop. It's, it's so cyclical that it really is becoming incredible to see how this stability, something that a few years ago when I was a student was unheard of, that pit, the words pit and stability could not be used in the same sentence. But now that's such a huge advantage. And it really has been, as you said, because of that, it's the reputation that they've developed, and it's, it's a great one.
1: And, and it's guys waiting their turn. Yeah. It's guys that haven't seen the field for two or three years that are now. Now you're the starter. You're a red redshirt junior. You're a true senior, etc. Now you're on the starting lineup. You've waited your turn because you've been stuck behind some great defensive players. Yeah. And you've stuck around, and now it's your turn, and you're just same level. It's, there's no drop-off.
0: Yeah, it's been pretty remarkable to see. And obviously, they're going to have a test coming up this upcoming weekend against Cincinnati. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. But Pitt scored 45 points, and we haven't talked about the offense yet. So let's talk some offense. Because Phil Djokovic, this was the first bit that we've seen of him. The former Notre Dame quarterback turned former Boston College quarterback, now back in his hometown or home area of Pittsburgh. And he played three quarters of this game. And we're going to try to figure some things out because it's such a question mark going into the season. It's the most important position in sports. And this is a player making his debut with Pitt. So Phil Jerkovic, his final stat line, 17 for 23 passing, 214 yards, one touchdown on the ground. He had one touchdown running on seven attempts for 41 yards in terms of scrambling. What can we take away from this performance? I mean, it was... It seemed a little up, a little down. Some passes lacked some zip. Some looked really good. What do you take away from it?
1: Uh, the arm is still a question, um, but he really wasn't asked to throw downfield very often, which we all knew wasn't going to happen. So mm-hmm. we're we're not going to get an answer to that any until next this week. But what we did see an answer was to is his mobility and his pocket presence of keeping plays alive is such a marked improvement over Slovis. So we, we know that that we saw, he did that multiple times to,
0: to be fair. That was a pretty
1: low bar, but he definitely <laughs> clears it. it. Bars are cleared. He's, he definitely kept some plays alive where Slovis would not have. Yeah. So we know that's an improvement now. When it comes to when we need to start airing it out and throwing downfield on a consistent basis, we're going to find out Saturday.
0: Yeah, it's there, there's still definitely a lot to prove. And again, this, this so much is uh, just trying to take away things from a game where Pitt is not showing all its cards. They're not playing all of their cards. But... First of all, you talk about Keaton Slovis. I, did you happen to see the the score line, the stat line, the score line? Yeah, of the he, had a, game? he had a
1: rough game. A Not rough ideal.
0: Game. Yeah, fourteen total points for BYU against Sam Houston State. Uh, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions, hundred forty-five yards, averaged four point four yards, twenty for thirty-three passing, and uh, didn't really move at all. He is uh, he he was. Rough back there. And Keaton or excuse me, Keaton Silva, Phil Djokovic, he could move. That that was pretty move. impressive. He he can move. Now it, you don't need a a dual-level threat, but you do want to have a quarterback who, if the pressure comes and this offensive line, not entirely sure, especially after the season ending injury news we heard about before the yeah, season. Yeah, let's
1: get to that in a minute.
0: Yeah, it's we'll we'll talk about the offensive line, but if that's gonna be a little bit iffy then you want to know that you've got a quarterback who can improvise. And there were some plays there that he had to improvise. And it's nice to see that he is able to move, that he's not just going to be stranded there and look like a
1: deer in the headlights, like Keaton Slovis was. And he's not fast by any stretch of the imagination. He doesn't have any kind, you know, he's not going to scramble for speed, but he does have that pocket awareness, that ability to see, Oh, it's time to go. Now I'll go and pick up four or five yards as opposed to throwing an incompletion to an unopened receiver. Yeah. Absolutely. And that was nice to see. That that mobility, that that pocket awareness, and the size helps of you know breaking tackles, but it's nice to see him be able to do that because we did not see that last year.
0: Absolutely. It's kind of I mean you're trying to think of a player comp, and it's like you don't need him to be even Kenny Pickett level of being nope. able to scramble and run. You just need – honestly, a, a similar one, I, I hesitate to say his name because I think if you say his name three times, he appears. Is Ben Roethlisberger. Yep. And, and it's just that no one would call him a, necessarily a dual threat or a running quarterback. But if a play broke down, he could find some yards and break a tackle, maybe two. I mean, it would be tough to take him down. And I think
1: that's good enough for Phil Djokovic in terms of what he could be. Yep, that's that's all you need. Yeah, I'm not looking at him to break 40-yard scrambles and fake slide his way to a touchdown. But I'm looking at him to make positive yards out of a broken play.
0: Absolutely. So let's talk about the broken plays. The offensive line, what do we think is happening there? I mean, this is a unit that... I think going into camp seemed to be really trustworthy. Then there's a season ending injury. Then we see this game. How confident are you in in this offensive line?
1: Uh, They were fine. They were fine. Now, of course, we said that last year as well. We had the same. I had the same feeling early last season about the offensive line as I do this year. And it was the same as, oh, look at all these people coming back. You know, everyone's there. Yes, the injury hurts but the depth is there to cover it. Um, They were fine. There were some breakdowns that you really shouldn't have to see against Wofford. Uh, There was a little bit more push from their defensive front than I would have liked, but they are reshuffling. You know, this front five hasn't played together yet. This was their first game really playing together. I don't know, none of us really do, when the injury happened, how much practice time they have had as a contiguous front. Um, so i'm I'm giving them an incomplete grade, okay? I'm not judging too harshly. I'm gonna give them this week, and let's see what happens because in theory, the talent is there. The players are there. So I, of any unit that I'm really not judging the game on, it's gonna to be the offensive line,
0: very fair. Yeah, I think we'll we'll learn a lot about that moving forward. But, as you said, the talent's there, the size is there. They should be good. We'll see. Let's talk about the backup quarterback. Because this game was such a blowout, we did see some a, a fair amount of snaps from uh, Christian Vayre, the backup quarterback from Quebec, formerly of Penn State, transferred to Pitt. Went five for nine passing, 60 yards uh, through the air, one touchdown. And uh, and on the ground, he had a couple yards as well. Christian Veyer, someone who is... It was a backup of Penn State last year. Again, got a handful of snaps, not a ton. What did you think of him? I mean, he, he didn't light the world on fire, but
1: in terms of a backup quarterback, I, I thought he seemed pretty good. Capable backup. Yeah. Very capable backup. If, and and we do need to we do need to think about him because Phil, like many people said, hasn't played a full season yep. without getting injured. So chance, chances are he's going to have to play this year. And I came out of it going, okay, all right. If that's who's going to have to come in, we're going to be okay. Now, is he ready to start 12 games? No. If he has to come in for a half, maybe a game and a half, can he manage? Yes. The arm is there. Yeah. We all saw the arm is there. Um, n- next year, I am fine with him being our starting quarterback. And if if that's what our backup is, then I think that's a pretty good place to be.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because on one hand, sometimes Pitt has had sort of the quarterback of the future. And then other times they've had backups. And a lot of times they are mutually exclusive, where you've got a player who will come in and just be a backup. And in the case of Christian Veyer, he is essentially both because it's not a situation where he's just a backup, like say Nick Patty, who no one ever really envisioned would be a full-on starter, but it's also not the position of, well, he can take his time and get to really know things like Kenny Pickett, at least for most of that first year. This is someone who is sort of, he, he might have to be relied upon this year, but also he's got to grow into being very potentially the starting quarterback next season. So there are a couple things and and you don't want to judge him as next year starter right off the bat, because again, this year, he just needs to be a backup. And then if something happens, you get to that. But yeah, I think I'm in agreement with you. I think he seemed fine. I think he, I think he seemed fine. And again, against Wofford, the handful of snaps he got. Yeah. You can't ask for too much more.
1: No, he he played fine. He, he, he didn't play like a, Well, because he's not a first-year player, so he didn't play like a first – he played like somebody that is an experienced quarterback that came in, knew how to run an offense, and wasn't flustered, um, made a couple decent plays, made a couple decent throws, also missed a couple decent throws. But as far as seeing your mop-up guy come in, I'm pleased with it, absolutely.
0: Yeah, if you're Phil Djokovic, that's got to be ideal, right? Like, you've got the backup come in, he does a solid job – you you don't you know that there's at least that option there. And from a team perspective, you feel pretty good. But you're also not worried that there's going to be a quarterback controversy. You're still pretty confident that you're going to have this first-string job as long as you're healthy.
1: No, I mean, it's blatantly obvious that Phil is the much better quarterback right now as we stand. Phil is definitely the starting quarterback. there's There should be no – and I didn't see any, and I'm glad I didn't. There should be no – and we at SpitFence have done this for – as long as I can remember, that <laughs> next guy's always better than the than the guy starting, and Vinucci. I didn't see any of that. The, yeah, Nucci. Yeah, the next guy's always let's get in the next guy. I didn't see any of that, but at the same time, I'm I'm perfectly fine with his performance.
0: Who was the backup to Tino? This is such a tangent. Who was the backup oh, man. to Tino? Trey Anderson, right? Damn,
1: Lord, Trey Anderson. That was a fun name. one year. Oh man.
0: I remember people, like, earnestly calling for Trey Anderson to be the starting quarterback. and Well, because
1: just... he was Todd Graham's boy. Right. And everyone's like, oh, he can run the Todd Graham offense, get him running. Boy, I'd have to go back and look at rosters. But, yeah. yeah that
0: that was such a weird era. Again, for so many years, the backup was just someone who you could not take seriously as a quarterback, even just to fill in. Right. And it's nice that now they've got Veer back there who – Again, there's not going to be a quarterback controversy, but it's someone that you can rely upon. That's nice. Yep. Let's talk about the running game because this is – you could call this RBU, right, running back university. There have been so many running backs to come through. You talk about defense and how that's been next man up. Someone leaves, someone else comes in. And the running game seems to be just as good as they have been for years. Rodney Hammond looking like he's going to have a superstar season. He had just five carries, but five yards a carry on average and two touchdowns. It seems like he could be a star. Now, I don't know if the yardage is going to get to the level of breaking 1,000 yards just because it seems like there's there are going to be a lot of players, Daniel Carter, Sebo Flemister. But in terms of touchdowns and what he's able to accomplish, I think he can have a phenomenal year. I think I, I looked at sort of a player comp I made last week was Craig Olison. His senior year in 2018, he had 11 touchdowns. I think Hammond can get there, certainly. He's already got two.
1: He did. Uh light work for him though it was he did not have a lot of snaps um i'm i would be curious as to the reason why um i'm sure it's for a variety of reasons keep them fresh you don't need them um he didn't start yeah he did not start he wasn't the starting he, he didn't take the field on the first series um which i found odd so i'm not sure w- you know, because once again, it's Wofford, like, what is the plan going forward? Is he the bell cow back? Is he our number one? He's going to get the bulk of the carries? Or is it going to be that committee that we saw on Wofford? Either way, though, I think we're all fine.
0: Right. Because that's I mean, that's the benefit, because if it is Rodney Hammond as the lead back, they're in a great position. I think he's phenomenally talented and I think he could have a huge season if it's more by committee. I think they're also in a good situation. SIBO Flemister looked really good. He didn't look like someone really well. Yeah. He didn't look like someone who just can do one thing or, you know, come in and special units. He looked really good. He had nine carries, 27 yards, but. He had some good plays in there. Daniel Carter looked really good. He had 11 carries, 65 yards, leading the team. It's about six yards a carry. He had a touchdown. So, And on top of that, uh, Derek Davis got thrown in there for a couple plays. So you've got some guys in there. You've got, I think, most likely would probably be three players who could all be in the rotation. Maybe Derek Davis inches in there. But even if Derek Davis doesn't inch in there, you still have three guys that could all very well be – in a position to get meaningful carries and find the end zone
1: and they're they're all different style runners yeah which is what i which is why that that running back room is is fun because they are all very different runners which is great you switch it up you bring somebody in that's a power back you bring somebody in that's shifty like Sibo. um you bring in hammond who just wants to all over you and just run you down so I'm curious to see what the plan is going forward. If if it's, if the rest of the season is going to mirror Wofford or is it going to be Ronnie's going to get the bulk, the rest are going to be fill in as needed.
0: It'll be very interesting. And I think we'll see more coming up against Cincinnati, against West Virginia, because a lot of it, see, I mean, I don't know if Daniel Carter is going to get that right. many carries in, in a major game. Maybe he will. I'm, we're not sure yet, but, it, in this game, he was a major player, and it's not entirely clear that that that's going to be the case moving forward. Uh, moving on to the the wide receivers, uh, or I should just say the receiving game in general. You had uh, the the main players. There are really three main guys that that were returning this year that we're expecting to see a lot from: Bub Means, Kenante Mumfield, and Gavin Bartholomew. And they all looked good. Bub Means had uh, two receptions, thirty nine yards. Gavin Bartholomew had a great, te- a great catch, two receptions, 38 yards. Conante uh, Mumfield had three receptions, 34 yards. Again, they weren't asked to do too much. They weren't phenomenal plays. But they all look pretty good, and they're confident. In those, those players are very confident this year. I, I I thought they
1: looked good in that one. How about you? They do. But I want to take the um, receiving question in a different direction. Four different tight ends caught a pass in the first half. Yeah. Four different tight ends. How long have we been screaming about tight end production and tight end recruiting and players in the tight end level? Four different tight ends had a catch in the first half. It was that impressive. Now, Bart, and, and, and Bart, as Chris Peak likes to say, Alberto, I like to sell Scoop because he's from Schuylkill County. <laughs> he had a couple nice catches. You can see why we all know about the potential of Gavin Bartholomew. Yeah. Like, I, I have a hunch – They are going to target those tight ends this year, and they're going to target them heavy because they know they finally have that talent level that we've all been hoping for. And Gavin's going to be a big part of this offense.
0: I agree. I'm pretty high on him. I think a lot of it comes down to usage. He needs to get the usage. But – if that's the case, I think he can he can haul in just about anything. I think he's a great player. Carter Johnson looked really good in, yep. in the bit that we've seen him. Marcus Epps – Marcus Epps. Malcolm Epps is out there. And, yeah, this is – Jake Randa had a catch. Yeah. I mean, it's – overall, there were, I believe, what, 12, 13 players that had at least one reception. It was pretty incredible was how was much spread they around. spread it around. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah Which totally. is, once again, that's what you do when you're opening with Walford. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what you do. Yeah,
0: yeah. I will. Uh, I think if you're a pit fan, you take that. You're happy with it. No one has a phenomenal game, but everyone looks good, and you move forward. Uh, we're gonna take just a very quick break. Then we're gonna come back talk about next week, the Cincinnati game on the horizon coming up this Saturday. First, we'll take a quick break. Back in just a moment. And we are back really quick. Pitt fans, are you also a fan of an NFL team? Would you love to attend your favorite team's Week 1 game? Well, you're in luck. Fans First Sports Network is giving away four free tickets to the Week 1 NFL game of your choice up to $5,000. The rules to enter are simple. Go to contest.fansfirstsports.com and fill out the appropriate information. That's it. Once you've done that, you've officially been entered to win four free tickets to any week one NFL game. You could see Kenny Pickett week one in Pittsburgh. That could be awesome. What are you waiting for? Go enter for your shot at seeing your favorite team in action. Contest ends on September 4th. Okay, so let's talk about the upcoming game, Corey, the River City Rivalry. It is back. It's been dormant for years. Pitt versus Cincinnati, first what do you think about this rivalry? How much of a rivalry is it? Like, where are they in your pecking order in terms of opponents that mean something
1: to you in some way? Where's the trophy? <laughs> That's where I put this rivalry. It's not. It, it it was one of those forced rivalries that TV and the league put together. Yes, Cincinnati and Pittsburgh could and should be a decent rivalry. Close proximity. Um. You know, quality football, especially now with Cincy going to an actual major conference. Um, but it was never. I think if you ask any random Pitt fan where Cincy ranks on their rivalry list, uh, I, they've got to be at more seven, eight. I'm trying to think.
0: Okay, let should we do this as a thought experiment? So in let's no, go in no particular order: Penn State, West Virginia, mm-hmm. Notre Dame's got to be three, and
1: virginia tech maybe more virginia tech there was a budding rivalry there with virginia tech for a little while um probably more on our side because it was more fun to beat them um so i would put virginia tech over them i would put syracuse over them yeah i could see that for pure volume of games yeah even though it really isn't a rivalry (laughs) <laughs> um i would even put somebody like navy over them you oh, play okay. navy a lot it's been so long um, since pitch it's been navy. a while since we played them yeah it's been that bowl game since we played them but see when i was a student it was navy almost every year yeah so i would put navy over them i would put okay so maybe there's six in my mind but yeah they're not really i i don't see it as a rivalry other he... than that made-up trophy
0: Right. So it's tricky because, yeah, I think I'd, I'd probably put them over Navy personally, but still, I think probably behind Virginia Tech, behind Syracuse. So now you're talking like sixth. Yeah, it, I mean, it's interesting. So it, th- this is an odd uh, rivalry that was, as you said, sort of conceded because the old Big East wanted to, to drum up something and... They figured, okay, yeah, these cities have something in common, and they're in the same conference, and, you know, let's do something. They have this trophy that is the most ridiculous. It's got to be one of the most ridiculous college football trophies yes. in the country. It actually has a name. I had no idea it had a name. It's called the Paddle Wheel Trophy, and <laughs> it is because it was designed and named in, in to honor the link between Pittsburgh and Cincinnati from the days in the 19th and early 20th centuries – when paddle wheel powered boats traveled between the two cities along the Ohio River,
1: I, it's a I great, had no trophy. idea. It's so dumb. It's it is only eclipsed by the Land Grant Trophy in my mind yeah. of worst trophies in sports.
0: Yeah, but it was it was idea. a
1: made for TV. It was a forced rivalry. We could be a rivalry. Like there's no reason for us not to be. Right.
0: I mean, if theoretically, if moving forward say in the distant future, 2036, if the ACC were to collapse and Pitt joins the Big 12 and now you're in the same conference, I could see that becoming a rivalry. But it ju- it takes the games and that, that just hasn't happened. It hasn't happened.
1: Yeah. If we play them every year for a five, six year span, that'll turn into a rivalry. Yeah, but I, it's, I you can't force it. It has to happen on its, you know, it has to happen organically.
0: Right. It's kind of in the same zone for me as Maryland when Pitt went to the ACC and Maryland was there, that was something that I thought, Oh, that could be a good rivalry. That could be really good. And then Maryland announced they were leaving the ACC. And so nothing ever ruined everything. Right. But to me, that was another one of like, Oh, this makes sense. The States are bordering each other. It's like a similar kind of student body demographic. There's already sort of a built-in thing with the cities with like Steelers and Ravens. In this case, you've got Steelers and Bengals. Like there's something there but it just takes the volume and again yeah. with Maryland that didn't happen with Cincinnati it's coming spurts it has and and and
1: you need a sustained back and forth yeah 100%. that's what, and that's why Syracuse is not a rivalry there's been domination on one side or the other for extended periods of time and Syracuse has let's be honest not been the greatest football team for recently so there's not it, there's not been competitive games for an extended period of time so it never developed there's no hatred. Like you talk to a Cincinnati fan or a Syracuse fan. They don't hate Pitt. They're probably as ambivalent about us as we are about them.
0: Yeah. I, I, I've got to go back to the trophy for a second because this thing <laughs> is so bizarre. It is. <laughs> so not only was it made in order to, uh, the, about the link of the days of the paddle wheel boats that we're meeting uh, mounted at the top, that weird thing. I, I couldn't tell what it was. It is an authentic brass engine room telegraph that is a working model that was set for use on a ship in Seattle, Washington.
1: So we have a a rivalry between Ohio and Pennsylvania with a, with a trophy made from a piece of a ship in Seattle. Yep. Yeah. And that is big East football.
0: Yeah. It's incredible. You've got a big East rivalry. That's now taking place between the ACC and the big 12, with a a telegraph that was meant for Pac-12 country that will soon be Big Ten country. That's college football <laughs> as it stands right now, folks.
1: It, it, it's I love our dumb sport.
0: It's it's insane. Uh, it is <laughs> this uh, the the lever can be pulled to either side and will cause the ringing of bells. And I think the best part about it is. The the following quote that just blows my mind when you look at this trophy, quote, over one hundred and seventy five man hours of design and labor went into its construction.
1: One hundred and seventy five hours went into this man hours remain undefeated. I Billable didn't know it had hours. a bell. Billable hours remain. And I didn't know it had a bell. It has a bell. I it have a bell. These teams haven't played since
0: 2012, and I don't really have any recollection of someone ringing a bell. But apparently, no. when you move it to one side or the ah. other, if bell rings. It this a, is going to okay. be amazing.
1: Well, see now I like the trophy a little bit because how many trophies have a bell?
0: It's like a slot machine at that
1: point, right? <laughs> You've got alarms <laughs> going off. I I can't believe it. This trophy's wild. I have learned I. It has a be- – we need to find that trophy. Someone's, I want to ring the bell. If it's not
0: there Saturday, someone has failed at their job. I'm just saying. Oh, my gosh. Ring <laughs> the this, bell. This is See, lost. there you go.
1: Now you have a catchphrase. Yeah, this rivalry can't happen. The River ring City rivalry. Ring the bell. Ring it's... the bell. There you go. Pit marketing, I mean, you're welcome. Take that for free.
0: it's uh it's incredible that trophy needs to be there Saturday so let's talk about what we think of Cincinnati so Scott Satterfield the new head coach after Luke Fickle goes to Wisconsin uh to replace Paul Crist who of course previously at Pitt and it's kind of funny because Scott Satterfield gives me some some very interesting Paul Crist vibes not in personality necessarily but in terms of so, yes, yeah, Scott Satterfield was great at App State. But then he goes and he becomes a head coach at Louisville. And his tenure at Louisville was so mediocre, it just screams Paul Christ to me. In four years at Louisville, he went 15 and 18. And in the last two years in the conference, he was 8 and 8. That is that is so Paul Chris to me. He was okay at Louisville. And now he's at Cincinnati. I don't know if this is any better, like they, they look good in their opening game against Eastern Kentucky, but I don't know if, if he's anything more than like a decent coach. And I don't know what that says about the Cincinnati team.
1: So Louisville fans, and I'm speaking of Louisville fans that I follow on Twitter and the accounts that retweet fans, they were ecstatic when he left. Yeah. Ecstatic. Cause he wasn't fired he just left he just left he's like i want to well do you know what it reminds
0: me of on the in another weird sick way is kevin stallings leaving vanderbilt who wasn't fired but when pitt hired him away every vanderbilt fan was thanking the heavens because they wanted him fired
1: thank you very much so i don't yeah i don't understand what louisville was doing with that hire obviously i don't think they do either because it really hasn't done anything so yeah i i don't know i that is a black hole of knowledge
0: it's a weird one. It's definitely a weird one when you've got a coach. Like I said, in some ways, it's Paul Christ. And I think Pitt fans weren't devastated when he left for Wisconsin, uh, especially when the news came that that Scott Peterson was uh, essentially fired as, as athletic director. But the the hiring aspect of it is is very Kevin Stallings to me, which is just yeah. that, yeah, this guy was probably going to get fired or at least most people wanted him fired. And instead, not only does he not get fired, He gets hired away by a different program, a a program that's had tremendous success in the last couple of years. It's going to be an interesting one. So they, they dominated Eastern Kentucky 66 to 13. And that wasn't just, Oh, the final score looks great. Like they dominated them. They were up three touchdowns in the first quarter. They scored another three touchdowns by halftime. It, It was domination against Eastern Kentucky. Fine. Coming into this game. The line was just set at Pitt being favored by seven at home. Yeah,
1: Feels high. Feels a little
0: high. I mean, feels if a I high. if I'm guessing on a margin, yeah. I'm kind of thinking like
1: Pitt wins by three or four is what yeah. I'm going with. I'm thinking line of like four and a half. Yeah, yeah. That seven feels a little high, but then again, we're Pitt fans. <laughs> Vegas knows, but yeah, that does seem a little high. Like I, I don't know what Vegas knows that we don't about Cincinnati. But that seems like a little high. Like, I would be fine with a four-point win.
0: Yep. Yeah. Just get out of there with a win. Yep. Just, yeah. Just do the job. I, I agree. I mean, I think... So, I, again, I think it should be... I think Pitt probably will. This we're, we're early. We don't necessarily have to do predictions. But I think Pitt probably will win by, say, three or four.
1: Yeah, I think we win by, you know, a under a touchdown. You know? Okay. We win yeah. by six. I think we win by six and we're cranky about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that's a pretty safe bet. Well, the, the the latter half is a pretty safe bet. A safe bet. Yeah, Pitt fans are going to be cranky about it without a doubt. Uh, because Cincinnati only played Eastern Kentucky, because they have a new head coach, we really don't know much about them. If Pitt goes out and wins a close game, we don't know is that, oh, that was, you got out of there with a victory. Cincinnati's still a very good team. They'll, they'll be good in the Big 12, that's a good win, or is it Cincinnati's actually going to be kind of rough this year and you should win by more? Like, I, I don't really know what to expect with Cincinnati because there was so much turnover, because they don't trust Scott Satterfield, that it's – I don't really know. We'll see in the game. We'll see just the eye test, right. but I don't really know what Pitt should do because yeah. I, I just can't get a gauge on Cincinnati.
1: Yeah, we won't, we won't know. Let's just never assume. Let's just assume we win – you know, by a score, we were not going to know how that win should feel for a couple weeks.
0: Right. Right. It's, I think looking back, even last year, say at the backyard brawl, Pitt wins a close one against West Virginia. Now, obviously rivalry, real rivalry games, I should say, they're always close, even if the teams aren't good, but that was at the time, no one really knew what to think about West Virginia as the season went on. It was, Oh, okay. That's not the most impressive win, but it does take a while. Uh Anything, any? Do you have any like Hail Mary predictions, something weird you think might happen? Could be good weird, could be bad weird, bold prediction. What do you think is, is going to happen in this one?
1: I, I, it's not bold. I honestly think we're going to win by about a touchdown. It's going to be a Narduzzi game. It's We're going to run clock. We're going to be up by a score. I say we're going to be up by probably seven points, probably by midway in the second quarter. And then we're going to grind it out the rest of the game. Yeah. And it's going to be unfulfilling and no one's going to be happy.
0: Again, that latter part is without a doubt guaranteed. <laughs> uh, I Here's a bold prediction. Rock and the Bearcat get into a fight. A snowball fight. A snowball fight. Snowball Let's have fight. another snowball fight. <laughs> fight. Again, uh, if you haven't, I know well, there's an audio medium. But, folks, if you haven't seen the picture of the Cincinnati Bearcat <laughs> being on the ground, being arrested in covered in like snowball, please, please go Google it.
1: Podcasting is a visual medium, <laughs> but yes, go find the picture. Cause that's classic. Although let's never talk about that game.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's uh, so, yeah, it, it'll be an interesting one. Corey, before you go, how about um, vibes for the season? Then, then we're going to talk about specifically this weekend, but how about like vibes for the season? What are the vibes you get? I I know this isn't a preseason prediction anymore. We're kind of cheating. You got to see them a little bit, but in terms of like season record, what you think this team can accomplish? What are your vibes? Vibes are good.
1: Vibes okay. are good, man. Vibes are good. Um, it, it's it's good. It's we we still have gigantic questions on the offense. The defense is going to be a Pat Narduzzi defense. It's. Season prediction wise, I know you didn't say that, but like, yeah, I mean, I think anything under eight wins is going to be a disappointment with the schedule. Now we are playing two quote unquote power five teams in the in the out of conference, but those two power five teams are Cincinnati, who is questionable at best, and West Virginia, who might be better than we thought because they didn't embarrass themselves at Penn State. Yeah, they look they
0: look um, decent. For I most mean, of they it, yeah.
1: they got beat pretty good, but they didn't look terrible and it is in Morgantown. So that's another power five win. And so yeah, I think overall vibes and just the general feeling you get on pit Twitter and getting talking to people, vibes are good, man. Vibes are good.
0: All right. Good vibes. Uh, before we go, speaking of good vibes and if you want to be around other pit fans, if you want to have a great time, you've got the coolest thing that pit fans do That has become this incredible tradition now. And I I will not personally be there this year. I am so upset. I was there last year. It was awesome. This year sounds like it's going to be even better. Please tell the fans
1: about the Hellgate. Oh, the Hellgate. So the Hellgate was something that we started, and I tried to look this up before we started chatting, and I'm old and can't remember dates. We're on year eight, I believe. Um, this was started by a bunch of us on pit Twitter who interacted with each other, but never met in real life. And we just said, Hey, why don't we get together and tailgate and meet each other in person for the first time? So we did. And it has, it has grown and continued ever since. Uh, We do it once a year. We do, you know, a big early season game when the weather's nice and everyone's invited show up we'll have food we'll have beer we'll have non-beer we'll have friends um and it's a good time and we've had some some really good guests we've had dorn dickerson at the Hailgate. we've had alex kershner at the Hailgate. uh don't have any big surprise guests this year but this year is normally we do it in one of the lots this year we are doing it on the north shore on the boat ooh baby so a friend of mine has a pontoon boat. We are going to be sailing down the river Saturday morning, docking on the North Shore as close as we can get to Heinz Field, at about 11 a.m. And we're going to have the grill out and the flag flying, and everyone's welcome. And I tell everybody, ask me, can I come to the Hellgate? Yes. Have you heard about the Hellgate? Yes, you can come to the Hellgate. Show up. You don't have to bring anything. You can just show up and say hi. Come find me. Come say hello. I'll be the guy in the yellow Hailgate t-shirt. Just come over and say hello, and you are welcome to join us. And it's just fun. It's just it's – let's get together with people that you know from the internet that you've never met in person.
0: <laughs> it is – it's so funny because when you put it in a certain way, it sounds bizarre, but it is the most, like, hospitable, friendly, welcoming thing, yeah. and it's so cool. I, I've been multiple times – Every time it's awesome. Even if you don't know a single person there, again, it started as people not knowing anyone in real life and just showing up. And yeah, now some people know each other. But even if you don't know a single person online, in person, whatever, as you said, just show up. It's people are just nice and friendly and chill and hospitable. And it's a really great time. The fact that you do it is just so cool that, as you said, everyone is welcome you don't necessarily have to bring anything. You you just show up and you make conversation with people. And again, uh, if you find Corey, he's you, you point out the the shirt, also the impressive mustache. You can catch him with that. The um, mustache is gone. The Mustache is gone. Oh, mustache is gone. Okay, the, the man formerly with the impressive mustache. Um, that was uh, that was a fun era. It's it's either way, you'll find him and. You'll find other people there, and it's just such an awesome vibe. I highly encourage anyone who's in town. I'm so upset that that I won't be there and uh, able to join. But again, anyone who is there who's going to the game, by all means, stop on by, say hello, and you'll get to know these people. I had known Corey with the two Coreys. We had known each other on Twitter for years. Didn't meet in person in t- until one of the Hellgates. It is just such a cool event that you do that you started that it's now become this tradition and it's just a great way for for pit fans and and all these people to just get to meet people and have a nice time and and spend a great day together and this year especially on the water it just sounds like an incredible experience and i highly recommend anyone to uh, to take him up on his offer to just show up it's it's pretty incredible
1: yeah, so the easiest way to find us is we have a pit twitter flag and we have a pit twitter logo so find on the walkway on the North shore where there's a giant yellow flag flying that says pit Twitter. That's where we are.
0: Yeah. Pretty, pretty easy. I like now that it's not Twitter anymore. Can, can that be like trademark Can pit Twitter be trademarked?
1: We're going to have to make a new flag.
0: I don't uh, no! Don't make a new flag either. <laughs> keep it as it is. I'm just saying, I think you can now legally own the name Twitter. I think they, <laughs> I think their, their, uh, their thing is Nolan void. I think pit Twitter is, is officially yours now.
1: Excellent. Yeah, we'll just,
0: uh, just take it over. Uh, it, it's such a cool tradition. Uh, like I said, uh, by all means, everyone who's listening, please make it a point if you're going to be there to find the Hellgate. It's a really cool event. It's a great chance to get to meet people. Uh, and uh, and I, I, I know that all Pitt fans and, and just anyone deeply appreciates that you do that, Corey. Uh, mm-hmm. So even though I won't be there this year, a huge thank you from all the pit fans listening who I know
1: are, are very appreciative. Yeah. I'm excited for it. I'm excited to do it on the river. This is something new for us. We've never done this before. So there's, there may be some hiccups, but come down, find the flag. Let's hail the pit.
0: Absolutely. So, uh, thank you so much, uh, for coming on the podcast. Uh, Corey, you can find him on Twitter on blue sky. Now also at the Willard years and wherever pit Twitter is, he will be there. He's the mayor of Pitt Twitter. So wherever we migrate to, if it's Twitter, whatever it's called, if it's Blue Sky, he's going to be there at the Willard years because I'm confident no one's going to steal that uh, handle from you. So wherever (laughs) you are, uh, wherever we are on social media, he's going to be there. Corey, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate
1: it. Uh, Thank you, Corey. This was a blast.
0: Really fun. So, Pitt versus Cincinnati coming up this Saturday at 6.30 in person. Go to the Hellgate. If you can't make it there, it'll be on the CW. Uh, That will do it for this episode of Football Unscripted. We'll be back on the Pit Talk Network. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we'll be back with a, an Olympic golden blue. We'll be back with uh, Panthers Pathway with Austin Bechtold. Coming up next week, another episode of Football Inscripted talking all about the Pitt versus Cincinnati game. It should be a great one. But please subscribe to the Pit Talk Network wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we are growing this thing. We're really excited about it. And uh, we appreciate anyone that subscribes, that gets the word out. And, uh, yeah, just really excited for this network, really excited for the game this weekend. The River City rivalry is back. Thank you to my guest, Corey Colton, at the Willard
1: Years. I'm Corey Cohen. Until next time, signing off from the Pit Talk Network.